from the newsroom of the Washington Post. Washington Post, this is Colby. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Washington Post, I'm the Washington Post. Hi, it's Stephanie McCrumman from the Washington Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, May 27th, Memorial Day. Today, a family grapples with big questions as they decide where their daughter should go to high school. So one of the things that's been so fascinating to me covering education is that the choices that parents make have consequences, not just for their own kid, but for the whole community. My name is Perry Stein, and I cover D.C. education for The Washington Post. We talk a lot about, in D.C., school choice. We have a school system where about 50 percent of the kids attend charter schools and 50 percent of the kids attend traditional public schools. So there's a lot of opportunity for parents to make different choices for their kids. And one of the things I really want to explore is what drives parents' choices and what are the consequences of these choices. And so to explore that, you ended up talking to this guy Joe Whedon. How did you find him? Joe Whedon, if you know anything about D.C. education, you probably know Joe Whedon. My name's Joe Whedon, Ward 6 resident, live on Capitol Hill. Joe Whedon is a guy that is at every city council meeting about schools. Been on the PTAs at not just my kids' schools, but other schools. And he used to sit on the D.C. State Board of Education representing Ward 6. I've served on the local school advisory team. I served on the Hill Preschool Board. And he's one of the biggest and loudest cheerleaders and bolster of the neighborhood public school system here. Neighborhood schools are the regular public schools that you're assigned to based on your address. Not charter schools, not magnet schools, not anything that you have to take a test or win a lottery to get into. And Joe believes that the local government should spend more money and resources on those schools. And I think what we need is great school options for everybody and a true investment in what's not working so we can fix those things. Joe and many other people believe that it's important for parents to feel like they have an option for a good school in their backyard. And it's also important for schools to have parents that want to send their kids there and not just off to some charter school across town. What's happened is that a lot of people feel that these charter schools, you know, they attract kids away from the traditional public school system. And when you take kids away from the traditional public school system, that also takes resources away from those public schools. All of these schools continue to appeal to the top, and we continue to erode the top away from our neighborhood schools, and we incentivize our families to leave our neighborhood whenever they can. What can happen when parents choose different choices is that maybe the middle-class families move out. Maybe the upper-income families, high-achieving students, move out of those schools and go to charters. So oftentimes you'll have a school that has a high concentration of special education students, of very low-income students, of students who are struggling in school, and they're all concentrated in one school because maybe they're the ones that didn't choose to go elsewhere. There are multiple schools that are considered apartheid schools, where students don't interact with students who are not of a different race. So when you look at D.C. citywide, the city's nearly half white. 
When you look at the school age population, the public school kids, it's about 14% white. But out of the nine neighborhood high schools in D.C., only one of them has a population of white students that exceeds 1%. Our schools in Washington, D.C. are more segregated today than they were when Brown v. Board of Education was adopted. Joe and his wife are white. And when it came time to send their kids to kindergarten, they figured that they could make the problem of segregated schools a little bit worse, or they could make it a little bit better. So they chose a neighborhood school. They were one of the few white parents to put their kids at that school. We know that kids do better when they're in a diverse environment. And when we moved into the neighborhood, we wanted to be a part of positive change, lifting everybody up, improving the community, not just living off of it. Ever since then, Joe's kids, Malia and William, have been attending neighborhood schools. But recently, things have gotten more complicated. My family talks about schools a lot. I'll walk downstairs and they'll be talking about it. In the car, they'll be talking about it. I think they, arguing about it's well, probably better. That. And especially now that I'm going into high school, the talks about, am I going to get a good education? Where is it best for me to go? It is really stressful. That's Malia Whedon. She's 14 years old, she's in eighth grade, and next year she's going to high school. And there's a high school, Eastern High, it's a neighborhood high school that is a few blocks away from her house. That is where most of the people from my class will be going. And I do actually know a lot of students there, and I do know a lot of the teachers there. The Rocketry Club, which I've been a part of for three years, it's not... Wait, sorry, Rocketry, like... Rocketry, like... like sending rockets up in the... Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we awesome. usually do that in collaboration with the Eastern team. Eastern is a school on the rise. It's a school that, um, from the parents that I've spoken to, they all seem to agree that it is improving, but it has had its troubles. Eastern High School, our neighborhood school, just phenomenal students. But I also see the problems there. I'm on the school advisory team that advises the principal. I know there's huge attendance problems. I know there's huge discipline and suspension problems. The school has also struggled. I mean, right now, Eastern has about 800 kids. That's way under capacity. There was a time where it had 2,000 kids. Um, so there's a lot of room for a lot more kids. They are driven, motivated kids. And we need to do more to support them. But Malia doesn't have to go to Eastern. D.C., there's a lot of it prides itself on being a city with a lot of school choices. So she could, in theory, go to charter schools or she can take the route application and selective high schools, which are high schools within the traditional school system that require tests for admittance. Those are the schools that have the better academics, that people are saying, you're smart, you should go to these schools. They're the schools with the long application process that take a lot of work and are far away. Did she get into one of those schools? She did. She got into School Without Walls, one of the more coveted high schools in the city. So the family has to decide, do they want to send Malia to Eastern High School, or do they want to send her to one of the selective application schools that we have in the city? Joe has philosophical positions against these selective high schools. It does have an application. It does have a testing requirement to get in. And Joe Whedon would say that this testing is a bigger hurdle for low-income families, for families of color who generally historically have performed lower on these tests in D.C. He doesn't view the process to get in as equitable. And there's a reason why the school skews more white than almost any other high school in the city. Now, that's his grand political views. But sometimes when it comes to your own child, as even Joe will admit, 
um, you make different choices. We've gone back and forth. Will we actually do this? Will we stay and continue at Eastern? I, I don't know what we'll ultimately decide. It's not an easy choice. To understand the decision that the Whedons are making, you have to understand the experiences that they've had up until she's been entering high school. We were told by her preschool teacher to get out that the Capitol Hill schools weren't good enough. We were told we were sacrificing our child by sending her to our neighborhood public school. But they put their kid in there and they had a really good experience. The kids were great. The teaching was good. Far too often, our schools, the way we rate them, the way we look at them, it's a proxy for poverty. Malia told me she remembers even in fourth grade, people were telling her that Elliot Hine wasn't a good school. In fifth grade, the classes shrunk. I was used to having 30 kids in a class, and we'd known each other since we were three. And then everyone left. Only a couple of my friends stayed. I lost so many friends that year. People were going across the city to different charter schools, bases, Latin, wherever they could get in because they didn't want to go to the public schools. And if you didn't leave then, you couldn't get into those schools. It's traumatic, right? We've we've had friendships since our kids were three together. We were a very tight-knit community. And then because the school, our middle school, was quote-unquote not good enough, Everybody fractured and left. And that's upsetting to the social dynamic. There was a lot of, um, I don't want to say bullying, but a lot of peer pressure. Oh, you're, you're not going to the good school. I'm going to the better school. How does that make those who don't have a choice, don't have an option feel? I'm not going to go to a good school. That means my life's, I'm not going to succeed in life. Why are we putting our children through that? Then came middle school. And Malia entered Elliot Hine. She was one of two white children in her grade. Elliot Hine is a school that serves a predominantly black and low-income population. Um, I think the Whedons will say that she had some positive experiences. She met friends. She um, had some good classes. But it's our fourth principal in four years at the middle school. And with that, we have tremendous churn of the teachers. There is such a high teacher turnover at a school like Elliott Hine that she was left with a lot of long-term substitutes. Students haven't been able to build relationships with the teachers. The teachers don't know the students, what makes them tick. She jokes that she became an expert card player during her middle school experience because she's sat in the back of class so many times playing cards with a substitute teacher. I am a master card dealer because... That's all I was able to do in class. I had to go online and I had to learn the material by myself in order to keep my park scores up. They did have struggles. It's been a rough three years of middle school for Malia. And Malia is someone that really likes academics, so she craved a more rigorous academic experience than she got. And that's why Malia wants to go to school without walls. She's worried that if she went to Eastern, she'd spend four years not being challenged, having a lot of substitute teachers, playing cards in the back of the room. And she's also worried about how people will look at her education in the future. That became an issue when she was originally applying for some of these selective high schools. One of the interviews that Malia did. They asked me about different extracurriculars. They asked me how my friends would describe me. And then they asked me about my grades. They had told us to bring in either a report card or our park scores. And I was asked, well, I get a lot of different students from all of these different schools. How do I know that your A means that you had an A? 
Is an A at Elliott Hine an A elsewhere? From what I've heard, you've had a lot of teacher turnover and you've had a lot of absences. How do I know that you learned anything? Pretty much is what they asked. How did it make you feel when they asked that question in your interview? Well, first off, I was annoyed because I was being asked, are you smart enough to get into the school when I passed the standard that every other single student who got to do that interview was able to do? Why? Because I come from what is considered a lower-performing school. Am I being asked if I'm smart enough to go here? Clearly, that application school does not believe that the education she received at her neighborhood school is the same quality as she would have gotten had she been in another part of the city or been in one of the public charters. I mean, I talked to some parents and some kids about this. And what you see is that kids who live in the eastern part of the city, a lot of them are traveling more west and landing at eastern, thinking that this is a better education than their homeschool could offer. A lot of people feel that eastern is a much better option than their homeschool. And those kids are usually kids who come from families of really low-income backgrounds. So as the Whedons have been considering the question of eastern versus school without walls— Joe has been thinking about the potential consequences of that decision. There are the consequences of giving his daughter a subpar education. And then there are the consequences of opting out of their neighborhood school. What would it say that yet another white family doesn't think that this almost all black school is good enough for their kid? What would it mean for the other kids who end up in that school? who lose out on resources and funding when their school is so dramatically under-enrolled? And what would it say about Joe's commitment to neighborhood schools? Could he be called a hypocrite? Absolutely. But that's the system that was dealt to us. If I had a real choice, we would probably choose Eastern. I'm not sure we have a real choice. If Eastern receives some money this year to tackle some of the attendance issues, to tackle some of the suspension issues, to truly invest and develop the academic program, I haven't seen a lot of evidence that that's being implemented. That's not the high-quality education that my kid deserves or that any kid deserves. So, yeah, maybe it's a little hypocritical, but we've fought and we've made immense sacrifices already, at some point our city needs to realize that our parents cannot be expected to make choices and sacrifice our kids for the greater good unless they're also willing to come to the table and invest to do what's needed. But but isn't, even though it is a systemic issue and it is a policy issue, at the end of the day, it's parents making choices for their individual children. And that to eventually get to a place where you have diverse and well-supported schools, like, doesn't it take a lot of parents who are in your exact situation saying, I'm going to put my kid in this school because I recognize that it's important for the school? Is it a systems issue or a parent issue? And it's both, right? And I readily acknowledge that. But it can't be on one family. It can't be on one student. It needs to be a community that decides we're, we're done And we're going to change things. And it's really difficult when you're talking about your kid's future, when when I'm talking about Malia's future. But we can't put that on one 14-year-old girl. We can't 
have societal change on these issues of race, of poverty, of gentrification on the shoulders of my daughter. Again, it's hard to be the one. Perry Stein is an education reporter for The Post. After she reported this story, the Whedons officially made their decision. This fall, Malia will attend School Without Walls, the application high school in Northwest D.C. that's considered one of the best schools in the district. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review our show on your favorite podcast app and share your thoughts about the show online using the hashtag Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 